Well, good morning, everyone. How are you? Good morning. Well, I know this is a, a little confusing, but I am not Pastor Landon this morning. And I can tell you why. I don't have skinny jeans on this morning, <laughs> nor do I have Air Jordans. So I'll never be asked to do this ever again. All right, so this morning uh, I will be preaching, and I want to introduce myself. For those of you who don't know me, my name is Tim Whistler, and I have a big family, very big family. That's them right there. So for all you railroaders that are here, some of you may be thinking, this was not a good idea for us to be taking a photo on railroad track, and I agree, but the photographer thought that would be good. So my wife and I, or my wife Rebecca and I have been married almost 21 years, and Rebecca has helped out in the hospitality team at different times. So you may have ran across her, and we have 11 children, if that number's too big for you to count. But there's six girls and five boys. They range from ages 18 to 5. So this is what God has blessed us with, and you know, we consider ourselves to be, uh, to, to be honored to be a part of New Anthem. We've actually been here since the beginning of the start of the launch of this church. We were part of the launch team and uh, part of the planning process that took place. Uh, so to kind of give you some background about that, we were attending Grace Community Church uh, for a few years in Newton, and they said, hey, we're going to plan another church, and we're looking at the Valley Center, Park City area, and since we live in Valley Center, we thought, hey, we'll go ahead and get a, you know, try to help in this launch and see where it ends up at. So Actually, I did a lot of the surveying for the city of Park City and, uh, you know, was out in the community and asking questions and we were trying to decide whether or not this would be a good place or Valley Center or where we'd put it at. And so while I'd love to take credit for us actually being here today because I had Park City as my venue, really I believe God has established a work at here and I'm excited about what God has done in this community and I believe that he's going to do a lot greater things here in the city of Park City. And for everyone that's been a part of this work, I want to say thank you myself for, for, for participating and inviting people and praying for the church and praying for Landon and his family. So uh, I'm excited to see what God's going to do several years down the road right here in Park City. Now, you may say, okay, so they just turn the pulpit over to this guy that we don't know. Why is he even up here? But to give you a little background about myself, uh, I actually served as a pastor here in Wichita for about three years. And before that, while I was attending college, I ministered at a few different churches uh, in Pittsburgh because I, I went to school at Pittsburgh State. And then we moved here. We attended a church, and the church needed a pastor at the time. And so they asked us to serve as pastors. And the churches that we were part of were very strict in their beliefs as far as dress code and uh, places you went and things that you did. And we were really struggling at that time to, to really experience true liberty in Christ. And we were, uh, within myself, I was having a lot of difficulty. I was in Chicago riding the L train, if you've ever been there. And I was riding the train to the airport from downtown, and, 
And, you know, God was dealing with me about some things, and I was struggling about the fact that if my church, this little church that we were part of, was the only way to go to heaven, I'd seen all these different people getting on and off the train. I thought, God is surely bigger than that. At the same time, my wife and I had been experiencing some some strain in our marriage because of my pastoring and working and all these different types of things. And so we were really going through a tough time. At that point, my wife delivered twin girls, and they were born 31 weeks. So they were premature, and they spent four weeks in the hospital. So I was working during the day, and Rebecca was at the hospital trying to take care of them. And then I would go to the hospital and fill in for her while she went home and tried to sleep for a few hours and, you know, catch up on a few things. And then she would come back, and I would go back home. And so we had this cycle for about four weeks. And the thing that we really realized at that time is we needed encouragement in our lives. And the people who should have been providing that to us wasn't there for us. And so we had a friend who took it upon herself to start inviting all these different people from different churches and different families, and they started to come and to fill in for us. So at that time, when we needed positivity, God sent it our way. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. We're talking about encouragement. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to the book of John, chapter number 21. We're going to read several verses here this morning. So if you have your Bible, turn there. If you don't, you can follow along on the screen this morning. The Bible says this, and, we, and after this, Jesus revealed himself, in verse number one is where we're starting at. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Canaan, Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we'll go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, have you any fish? They answered him, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard it, that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work and threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not afraid from the land, but were a hundred yards off. They were not far from the land, but were a hundred yards off. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and so with the fish. This is now the third time that Jesus revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. 
As I mentioned, starting in before I, we read the scripture, that Rebecca and I were in need of some great encouragement, a very low point in our life. And we need some people to be positive to us. And, you know, the people who weren't there, the family, the church that wasn't there that should have been, as we struggled through this, all these strangers began to bring encouragement. And we want to talk about encouragement here this morning because we live in a very discouraging world, in a very discouraging time sometimes. You could tell the negativity that takes place, especially after this election, how negative people were. Well, if this candidate wins, then this is going to happen. If this candidate wins, that's going to happen. And, and we seem to be more divided than we've ever been. And to be able to say words in person or on social media and just be hard and difficult towards people seems to be easier and easier in this time. And I want to be honest with you, God, uh, life gets hard for us sometimes. It gets overwhelming. You hear the word of, that people use is, I'm frustrated about where I'm at. I'm frustrated about my circumstances. People are probably more lonely now than they've ever been before. People struggle with discouragement and depression. There's some who have the view that God is far away. Where is God? Or there are those that see God as being a grumpy old man and he's sitting on a throne and if you mess up, he's going to, he's going to let you know about it. You're going to pay the price for it. Uh, he's going to penalize you for it. But this morning I want to use these verses and I want to tell you that God is an encouraging God. He is an encouraging God. There are many examples in Scripture that demonstrate God's love to us. We all know John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Uh, there's many places that we can read about how that God is concerned about mankind. He cares about what's going on in our lives. And I want to use this Scripture to show you how encouraging he was. Jesus here had just risen from the dead. You can read a few chapters before that. And there's a lot of confusion going on. One, they went to the tomb to look for Jesus. Mary Magdalene went there first, and she found that the tomb was empty, and she went back and got Peter and John and, and took them with her, and they went to this tomb, and, you know, Jesus is gone. They're met by some angels and say he's been risen like he said he was going to. You can read in John chapter 20 that they were meeting together, the disciples, and I'm sure they're asking questions about what do we do, where do we go, how do we handle this situation. I'm sure there are some who were disappointed because they didn't get to see the empty tomb. There are probably some who didn't believe. As a matter of fact, John chapter 20 tells us about Thomas. He was like, I could see him, but I'm still not going to believe it until I can actually touch the nail prints of his hand. Then I'll know that he actually lives. But they're meeting together in John chapter 20, and the Bible says that they were together, and they had the doors locked because the Romans were in an uproar because this Jesus had been taken away. The Jewish leadership was afraid of what was going to happen to their kingdom. And so the disciples had gotten together, and they're hiding, and they're not letting anybody know where they're at. And I'm sure none of them knew exactly what to do. Now, before he had showed himself here in chapter 21... Jesus had said, he appeared to them, and he said, look, I'm sending you to the world. And so what do they do? Instead of going to the world, they go fishing. 
Because I want you to know this morning that when things are uncertain, when things are unclear, when you are facing discouragement in your life, God is a present God. Psalms chapter 46 verse 1 says this, God is our refuge and a strength, a very present help in trouble. Notice what the disciples do. They go and do the same thing that they've always done, right? Jesus had told them in chapter 20, I'm going to send you to the world. And they're like, uh, we're going to go fishing instead. Let's go fishing. So Peter says, I'm going fishing. And a few of the other disciples are like, well, uh, we don't know what else to do either. So we're going to go fishing with you. That's like us a lot of times, isn't it? When things get really rough, we go back to some of the same things that we used to do. We take up some of the same bad habits that we used to do. For some of us, we binge eat. That's one of the things I love to do. I'm an emotional eater, as you could tell. I love to eat. And then things go rough, I love to eat even more. Sweets are the challenge that I have. And, but that's one of the things we do, Right? Or we dive into our work. We work harder than we've ever worked before. Uh, things go wrong in life. Maybe we turn to alcohol or some other harmful things and binge on those activities. But as the day was breaking, the scripture says here that Jesus stood on the shore. He was present right there with them. Can I tell you this morning that God is right where you're at right now. You say, I, you say, Tim, I don't, you don't understand the difficulty that I'm facing right now. I do know this. God's right there in that situation with you. David wrote, he said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. We all know the story of the three Hebrew children when they're in the fiery furnace and, you know, they refuse to bow to the king's image and they get thrown in there. The scripture says that they saw the image of Jesus in that furnace. We know the story of Daniel in the lion's den as he was cast into the lion's den and how that God shut the mouth of the lions. There he is right there present. My wife, Rebecca, is actually a midwife, and so she is tied to the cell phone that she has. And so when a client calls and says, hey, listen, the baby's on the way. She's got to be ready to go at that moment. Can I tell you this morning that when you whisper that prayer of desperation, say, God, I need you. He's ready right there to help you. He is a very present help in the time of need. The second thing that I want to share with you this morning is that God can actually fill your need. Philippians chapter 4, verse number 19 says this, And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Now, they had not caught a single thing this, this night as the disciples were fishing. And Luke chapter 5 tells us another story of when they were fishing and hadn't caught anything. And Jesus met them uh, there and, and he said, hey, cast your nets on the other side of the boat. And they're like, what? We've been fishing all night and have not caught anything. I'm not a great fisherman, but I do like to fish sometimes. But I could tell you, it is annoying to be out there and not catch a single thing. 
And here the disciples were, really unsure about what was going on, probably needing encouragement right now. And they go out to the boat and they cast their net on the side of the boat and have caught nothing for the whole time. And all of a sudden, Jesus shows up, tells them, you cast your net over here. You're going to bring in fish. And they do that very thing. The Bible said that they couldn't even get the nets in hardly because of how many fish there were. So the question I have for you this morning is this. What do you need? I believe God asked us to bring our needs to him, right? What do you need? Are you needing joy this morning? Jesus said, I have come that you might have joy and that you might have it to the full. Full joy, Jesus brings that. Do you need peace? The Bible says that he gives a peace that passes all understanding. Direction for your life. Not sure which way to go, not sure what to do, not sure how you should do it. The Bible says this, that in all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. You fighting with sin, fighting with addiction, need freedom from that? Jesus said, I'm come to set the captive free. So you see this sermon series that uh, has been started over the last couple weeks of staying positive has been this. It has all circled around one thing, and that is God. How do you have an attitude of gratitude? By thanking God. How do you stay optimistic? By trusting God. Where do you find encouragement? Let him be your encouragement this morning. The third thing that I want to share with you is this, is that God will satisfy you. Psalms chapter 107 verse 9 says this, For he satisfies the longing soul, and the hungry soul he fills with good things. God delights to fill our empty places with joy, with peace, with guidance, with love, with security, with communion with him, once you really get a taste of Jesus and who he is, you'll realize he's the best thing in the world. Every one of us has a testimony. Those who have become followers of Christ can talk about how that he satisfies you in some way or another. You realize that the world doesn't have anything to offer like Jesus does. We will find nothing better. We will find nothing richer. We will find nothing fuller or in any earthly relationship or any material thing that we have. We will not find what we can find in Jesus. Here he satisfied the disciples, right? He fed them breakfast. I mean, how much, how greater can that be, right? To just fish all night and all of a sudden breakfast is ready for you. But he was meeting a need that they have. Now that we know that God is an encouraging God this morning, there's a couple of things I want to challenge you to do today. The first one is to encourage one another. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11 says this, Therefore, encourage one another and build another up just as you are doing. 
And I want to talk about just being a good human being for a little bit. You will run across many people in life that need encouragement, okay? You will meet a lot of people that need to just have a kind word said to them. You've ever heard of people like, you know, paying it for their pay for your stuff, uh, and you get up to the counter and it's already been paid for your coffee or your lunch or whatever it is, right? Those things actually work. They encourage a lot of people. This past year, my family and I took a vacation to California, and as we were driving back, we stopped uh, at a uh, Perkins restaurant, I believe it was, and, and we started to uh, eat breakfast. And obviously, I mean, whenever we come into a restaurant, you know, the waiters and waitresses are like, oh my goodness, seriously, like, look at all these brats. You know, they're going to they're gonna, they're gonna be making a gigantic mess and everything. And, and so we sat down to eat, you know, and they always got to push a lot of tables together. And sometimes they divide and conquer, right? So they'll give us two servers because they're like, there's no way we can take care of all these people at the same time. So, you know, we get this waitress and she is amazing, like just amazing. And there were some uh, assumptions that could have been made about her by her appearance and, and just the way that she talked. And you could tell that she was having, a, you know, a tough time with some things. And so what we decided to do as we were leaving, Rebecca's like, give her a tip. Give her a really good tip. And so I'm like, okay, well, you know, I'm pulling out. And, and I always try to do 20%. And I'm going to be honest with you folks. If you eat out, you need to tip your waiter and waitress. I believe that's a Christian thing to do. I really believe it. And not $2. That's not a Christian, that's not a Christian act. So, all right, give them. If they do you a good service, take care of them. So this lady it d- d- just did a great job, this young lady did. And, and so Rebecca's like, tip her. And so I'm like, okay, well, 30 bucks works. She's like, no, tip her more. Like $50? And she's like, tip her more. And so I'm like, okay, fine. So I give this girl a $100 bill, and I handed it to her because I wanted to make sure she got it. And she almost just burst into tears. And I don't say that to say, hey, look at what we did. But the point of this is, is that she needed encouragement. You could just tell she needed something to encourage her. And we run across these people all the time, right? Don't we? How many of you ever drove by somebody or was walking into a place you could tell that somebody needed help? And, uh, well, if I don't make eye contact, it'll be okay, right? We don't want to be like that. As Christians, we want to show love to the world. Another time when our neighbor was uh, next door to us, we, uh, we lived in a trailer park and had a little single-wide trailer when we first got married. And our neighbors, their water line broke, and it was a mess, and they needed help. And, you know, they called the city out, and the city was like, hey, it's not our fault. It's your fault, and so all the responsibilities on them. And, you know, we sacrificed a lot of time and effort to help them get everything cleaned up and, and everything put back together. And they were so appreciative of that. Another example of encouraging someone is I had a, have a young lady that works for me. She's one of my, uh, part of my sales team, and we, she was just struggling in her job, and she was very discouraged and didn't know if she could do it. And so we went on a sales call together, and we sat down in front of the client, and she did a great job presenting. And as, after we got done, I just said these few words because I could tell that she needed it. I said, you did Fantastic. Here's what you did right. You did this, this, 
this and this and said, you're going to be successful in this. I believe that you are. The attitude that changed for her, the demeanor that changed for her just because of those simple words. If you're a parent, you may just need, your child may just need to hear from you that I believe in you or that I love you, right? They may just need to hear that you're encouraging them. If you're a husband, one of the things that your wife may want to hear from you today is you look beautiful today. You look beautiful. It is little things like that that we can do to encourage one another. Secondly, I want, to, I want you to encourage each other spiritually. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 24 says this, we should keep on encouraging each other to be thoughtful and to do helpful things. Some people have gotten out of the habit of meeting for worship, but we must not do that. We should keep on encouraging each other, especially since you know that the day of the Lord's coming is getting closer. All right? We need to be here on Sunday. It's not because we need to have a big congregation or anything like that. It doesn't build Landon's ego if you're here. But you need a community of believers to be a part of. You're encouraged at church through worship. You're encouraged at church through the preaching of the Word of God. We need community together as a collective group. And so that's why we get here Every Sunday, we have volunteers who are part of the hospitality team, the setup team, the worship team, all these teams that you can be a part of. All of this is important. Even the tech team is important. Yeah. <laughs> it is amazing what you see when you're up here and people are flagging you down and those types of things. My apologies, tech team. But all these people get together. You know why they do it? Not so they could put it on their resume and say, volunteer at New Anthem Community Church. But they do it because they realize they need to be a part of it. And they want to create an experience here in the worship service that would encourage you. We are encouraged at church. You need community in small groups and friendships. People that will pray for you and that you can live life together with. You need a friend or someone or a small group who can speak into your life and say, you know what? You're making a mistake. Don't do that. You need a friend that when you don't know where to turn, you can call them and they can say, I'm praying for you. And they're not just saying words, I'm praying for you, but they will actually right there pray for you. You need communities of someone who will write you a small card that says, thinking about you today. God gave me a verse just for you. I want to share it with you. You need somebody to study the scripture with together. We need community. And I'm going to give you an illustration about this. <clears throat> and I can tell you, if you're a man... Uh, a young man or an old man, if you need a group to be a part of, the men's group at New Anthem is fantastic. And I say that because I'm the leader of it. So 
you need to be a part of this group. All right? So I don't care. If you're 18 and over, and I don't know if there's really an age there, but, you know, if you need a part, it's, we meet on Thursday nights. We're going to start back up in February, and we follow the, uh, the, the time frame that, uh, that's posted on the website. But if you are a man, and here's one of the things, guys. I'm going to be totally honest with you about this. One of the things as a man that's difficult for us to do is to admit that we need help. Is that right? Yep. Okay, well, I didn't get any amens on that. So either we're embarrassed to say that or we don't want everybody to know, right? So getting together with a group, and maybe you're with a a married couples group or you're with a youth group or with your women's group or the men's group, but I want to encourage you, be a part of somebody's life that they can speak to you and encourage you spiritually. And I'm going to give you an example about this. So I'm going to have Lydia, my daughter. Lydia's 11, and she's really not afraid of a whole lot. So having her come up here uh, doesn't embarrass her at all. But I did ask uh, one of my other children, they're like, there's no way I'm getting up there with you. (laughs) So when you're doing community with somebody, right, you're walking together. Maybe you're sharing recipes together, right? Or, hey, we're going to get together and we're going to study the scripture together. And, and so, you know, we're going through a Bible study and, and things are going really well, right? And we meet at church and we're hugging each other. Oh, it's so great to see you again. And, and we do all these things in community. We spend time together, right? That's very important. That's important for us to enjoy life with each other. But then what happens when one of us fall, right? So Lydia's fallen. I'm there to pick her up, right? The Bible says in the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter number four, that it's better, two are better than one. Because if one falls, his fellow is there to pick him up. But those circumstances that I described to you just at the beginning of my message about the difficulty that we were going through when life gets so hard. And it will at one point or another, right? If you haven't been there, you'll eventually go there. You'll find that difficulty and you don't know what to do and you don't know how to handle life. And you need somebody to be there. You're going to need someone who can encourage you spiritually. And so... Sometimes we may have to carry each other because that's what happens when we do life together, right? The Bible tells us not to be busybodies, not to be gossipers, but it does tell us this, bear one another's burdens, right? Carrying the burdens for each other. Thank you, baby. So, you need someone who can encourage you spiritually. Someone who put their arms around you and pray for you. Who will read the scriptures with you. Who will study and face life together with you. The third thing that I want to share with you is this. Is that you may need to encourage yourself in the Lord. 1 Samuel chapter number 30 verse number 6 says this. David was desperate. His soldiers were so upset over what had happened to their sons and daughters that they were thinking about stoning him to death. 
But David encouraged himself in the Lord. Now, to just set this up for you, David was being chased by Saul, king of Israel, and he had gotten a band together, a band of uh, an army of people. Now, if you start to really study these guys, they were a bunch of rejects, misfits. Uh, society didn't want to have anything to do with them anymore. But these are the guys that started to go with David. They're like, this guy's our leader. We're following him. And so David, really not having a country anymore, his own king pursuing him, he joins up with the enemy, the, the Philistines. And he said, I'm going to fight with you guys, okay? I'm going to be a part of your team. And the Philistines were like, whoa, wait just a minute. They're about to go to battle with Israel. And like, no, we're not going to have an, an, an Israelite fight for us because, you know, we're going to get in the heat of the battle. This guy may just change his mind. And then we're, you know, we're uh, being attacked on both sides. And so they're like, go home. Now, David was living in a place called Ziklag at this time. And when he goes back, his men are with him. They left all their wives and their children and their, their belongings at Ziklag. And they go back, and the Amalekites, another enemy, had come and taken all their family and everything. So all these guys that had decided to follow after David were now very upset. And they're like, you know what? We decided to follow you. You're promising all these things. You're going to take care of us. You know, we really believe you're a great leader. And then all of a sudden we follow you, and we lost everything that we had. All of it is gone all of it's been stripped from us. We don't know where they're at. And so they're like, you know what? We'll just take care of you. We're going to wipe you out. So they were going to kill him. They wanted to stone him. The Bible says that he did this. He encouraged himself in the Lord. You ever been to that place where you didn't really have anywhere to go? And you had to pick yourself up by the bootstraps and say, listen, I can do this. I can do this. I don't know what he thought about, but perhaps he remembered how that God had delivered him from the lion when he was watching the sheep. Maybe he had remembered how that he had faced Goliath as a boy when everyone else was afraid to fight against Goliath and he had overcome him. Maybe he remembered the fact that the prophet had come and anointed him and said, you know what, you're going to be king of Israel. You may need to worship yourself out of the valley sometimes. You may have to go right back to the word of God and allow it to lift you up and to encourage you. You may have to spend some time in prayer and seek the face of God until he comes and he encourages you. But this morning, church, I want to remind you, keep believing, keep your faith. Because we know that God is an encouraging God. He will be present in your time of need. He will satisfy you. He will fill you. I say all this because I believe it. I've seen it happen in my own life. I don't know how you've come this morning. But perhaps you've come heavy burdened. Or perhaps you've come struggling with something. I may not know, the pastor may not know, your friends may not know, but God does know. And this morning, I want you to know that he's willing to meet you. He's willing to encourage you this morning.
Father, as we come before you today, Lord, we try our best to say something that would encourage someone or speak to someone. Lord, and as we really focus on being positive, we know that you are the only one that can keep things positive in our life. Circumstances may be against us. The world may be against us. But I pray that God, you would touch us. This morning, may you bless everyone that's here. Lord, bless us to be encouraged. And Lord, if we are finding ourselves on top of the mountain and things are going well, Lord, may you challenge us to realize that we could encourage someone today. If there's someone here who is lacking love or, uh, Lord, empty inside or lonely inside, who may not know you, I pray that you would speak to their heart, that they would realize that true satisfaction comes from you. Lord, I pray, encourage your church today in your name. Amen.